Number 14 of A Christmas Miscellany 2018 by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Number 14, Christmas Eve by Vera C. Barclay. It was to be a particularly jolly Christmas in Danny's home this year, for his soldier uncle was coming to be there, and two or three little cousins. His mother had made some big plum puddings, the house was decorated with holly and mistletoe, and to put the final touch of perfection, it was snowing, and the boys would be able to make a snowman on Christmas afternoon. Danny was very happy, all seemed perfect, but on the morning of Christmas Eve a letter came by post that altered things. The letter was from Danny's Uncle Bill it was a sad letter it told how bill and his wife who had looked forward to a happy christmas would have a dull and sad one their son expected home from germany could not get leave they had both been so ill with influenza that bill had not been able to work and was therefore terribly hard up and his wife had been unable to go out and buy anything to make christmas jolly Bill was a woodcutter and lived in a little tiny old cottage on the edge of a wood about five miles from Danny's home. As Danny listened to his mother reading the letter aloud, a thought came into his mind. At first he tried to send it away and not to see it, but a voice within him said, You're a cub, and when good ideas come to you, you ought not to tell them to go away. It is giving in to yourself. If you are selfish, you will not enjoy your Christmas." So Danny let the thought come back, and presently he told it to his mother. Mother, he said, will you pack up some nice things in a basket? Then I will start off after breakfast and walk over to poor Uncle Bill's, and I'll decorate up all their house with holly, and go and do shopping for Aunt Bridget, and then I'll spend Christmas with them, and try and cheer them up and make them forget they're disappointed, cause Ted hasn't come home. Danny's mother was surprised you're a good boy to think of it she said but have you forgotten the cubs party on christmas evening no said danny i haven't forgotten it he stuck his hands in his pockets and whistled to pretend he didn't mind at all about missing the christmas party where all his fellow cubs would be enjoying themselves i'll be sorry to miss uncle jim he said tell him so mother won't you and keep me a bit of plum pudding but i must go and cheer up poor uncle bill and so, half an hour later, he started off to tramp the long five miles, a kit bag full of good things slung over his shoulder. The snowflakes fell soft and white, and the feeling of Christmas was in the air. And Danny was very happy, far happier than he expected to be this Christmas. As he tramped along the snowy roads, he was thinking of the strange story of Uncle Bill and the bad luck that had seemed to follow him. Bill's father had been a man who owned a good deal of property, and a very clever man, too, able to earn much money. But from boyhood he had been a miser. His one thought had been to earn gold, and then store it away in secret, and count it up and gloat over it, but never spend more than he possibly could help, and never, never give any away. And so he brought up his children in rags, and often they had to go hungry and barefoot. He sold his property to get more gold and lived in a miserable little house by a wood. At last his three boys, tired of this wretched life, ran away from home and went to sea. Two of them were drowned, and Bill found himself the only remaining member of his family, with the exception of his sister, Danny's mother, who had married and left home. 
when bill was twenty-one he received a message that his father was dead and that all the gold he had amassed during his life would now belong to his son so feeling he was a very rich man he married a nice girl from the little irish seaport where he was staying and returned home as quickly as possible but when he reached his native village he learnt the bad news that the miser had died without leaving any will and had hidden his gold so well that no one could find it all that poor bill inherited was a little old cottage and a woodcutter's axe there was nothing for it but to make the best of a bad job and settle down in the little house and become a woodcutter and so bill and his young wife did their best to make a comfortable home of the old place but it was a hard life and it was difficult always to be contented when they knew that somewhere thousands of golden sovereigns lay hidden that should have belonged to them one son was born to them and now he was nineteen and had been fighting in france for the past year it had been a long tramp but at last danny found himself in the wood on the borders of which was uncle bill's cottage there was plenty of lovely holly covered with berries in this wood and up in an oak tree danny saw some mistletoe so putting down his bundle and taking out his knife he climbed the tree and cut down a great bunch of it and then filled his arms with holly he looked like the very spirit of christmas as he stood in the doorway of uncle bill's house the snow thick on him his red muffler making a bright patch of colour his arms full of holly and mistletoe and a great bulging kit bag slung across his back the little room of the cottage looked dull and dismal only a tiny fire burned feebly in the great open fireplace bill and his wife looking pale and ill sat one each side in silence but danny's appearance seemed to work a miracle he had brought the spirit of youth to the house before long they were all laughing he and uncle bill were putting up holly above the pictures and hanging the mistletoe in the chimney corner and bridget was unpacking the kit bag before long danny had been out and chopped some logs so that a fire was roaring and crackling up the chimney and sending sparks flying like fire fairies this is something like christmas said uncle bill as they sat down to a good dinner from what danny had brought though the plum pudding and mince pies were being kept for christmas day after dinner danny started off for the village to buy the things aunt bridget needed by the time he had finished his shopping and was starting back again for the woodcutters the sun had set in a glory of red beyond the snowy trees and blue dusk was quickly closing in as danny passed the last house in the village he was surprised to see a figure standing in the garden he had noticed this house before as he passed and had seen that it stood empty the windows shuttered the doors locked and everything deserted coming nearer he looked curiously at the figure it was that of a very very old man thin and bent with a long white beard and long white hair he was shaking his head and talking to himself in a most sorrowful voice a sorry thing a sorry thing he was saying to be gone eighty years old and never a corner to lay your head on christmas eve danny stopped filled with pity for the aged man hello granddaddy said is there anything i can do for you the old man shook his head mournfully nay nay he said i be eighty years old and i've walked nine mile to spend christmas with my grandson and now i come to his house and find it empty 
I haven't got nowhere to lay me head this night, and not a penny to pay for a lodging. It's dying a cold I'll be, a lying in a ditch all night. And he took out a big red handkerchief from his pocket and began to wipe his eyes. It was too sad to think of this. Somehow a happy Christmas must be provided for this old man, so pathetically like Father Christmas himself. Danny knew the charitable spirit that Uncle Bill always showed, and the warm, generous heart of his Irish aunt, and so he felt sure they would welcome this poor old stranger. "'Come home with me, Grandad,' he said. "'You'll find a roaring log fire and an armchair in the chimney corner, and tomorrow you shall eat Christmas pudding.' The old man looked almost dazed with surprise. He peered closer at Danny. "'Is it a Christmas fairy you are, out of the wood?' he said in a whisper. This was splendid to be taken for a fairy. Yes, said Danny, laughing, and taking the aged man's cold, gnarled old hand, he led him through the wood to his uncle's house. Sure, cried his aunt as she opened the door, I do believe he's off to bring us Father Christmas himself. Danny soon explained, and Bill and Bridget gave the old stranger a warm welcome. They do say, exclaimed Bridget, that if you welcome a stranger on Christmas Eve, he may be an angel. Tain't no angel as I be, said the old man, shaking his head. And then he laughed, and he had little twinkling eyes. If there be an angel about, tis yourself, or the boy here. Everyone was hungry that night, and supper was a cheery meal. But after supper came the time Danny longed for. The lamp was put out to save the oil, and the bright dancing firelight glowed in the quaint little room, with its crooked beams and uneven floor. In the deep chimney corner, one on each side, sat Bill and Bridget, and enthroned in the large armchair before the fire sat the ancient stranger, puffing contentedly at a long clay pipe. Danny was curled up on the rabbit-skin rug. Now, he said, his eyes dancing with expectation, now for stories. So, to the accompaniment of crackles from the logs, Bill recounted many a strange and thrilling yarn of his sailor's days. At last he was silent. Grandad, said Danny, turning to the ancient stranger, will you tell us a story, a mysterious one? I'm sure there were fairies and hobgoblins when you were a boy long, long ago. Or do you know a ghost story? The old man nodded his head. Yes, he said, there were fairies, sure enough, when I was a boy, but I was not a good enough boy to see them. But a hobgoblin I did see once. T'was on such a night as this, Christmas Eve, with snow on the ground, and t'was but a stone's throw from this very house. This was splendid. Danny turned round and fixed his eyes on the old man's face. Tell us, tell us, he whispered. I was born in this here village, he said, and here I married, alas, and here my son was born, and was on his first Christmas he fell ill of the croup. Very near death he was, and my wife begged me to run fast as I could to fetch the doctor. The shortest way was through this here wood, and though I was afeard something terrible of the little people as might come after me in the dark, still for love of the boy I came this way. "'Twas moonlight, and as I reached the end of the wood, just about outside of this house, I breathed again with relief. But too soon, for when I got to the druid's oak, you know it for sure, that big old oak, the last of the wood, I saw a hobgoblin. The old man made an impressive pause. Danny was gazing at him round-eyed. "'What was it like?' he said." 
twas dressed all in a black cloak with a hood over its head and it had a great bag on its back it was up in the druid's oak and just before i got to it it dropped to the ground light as a feather and ran quickly into the shadows i was half mad with fear and calling on the saints to protect me i ran and never stopped till i reached the doctor's house that story is true by all that's holy i swear tis true how big was the hobgoblin asked danny near as big as you said the old man i thought they were smaller so it frightened me the more i told the story to one and another in the village and some laughed at me but one or two very solemn-like told me they had seen that hobgoblin too they said that twas very lucky to see it but one must not talk of it to any man one man told me that the next day he went by daylight past the same tree and in the snow found a gold piece which was just what he was sorely needing he was sure twas the hobgoblin had put it there for him and sure enough my baby was cured from croup from that time do you think the hobgoblin still lives in the oak asked danny and still comes out on christmas eve oh yes said the ancient stranger hobgoblins live for five hundred years this one is still in the oak as likely as not and they used to say he always comes out on christmas eve oh cried danny i wish i could see him perhaps he would bring luck to uncle bill the great log fire was beginning to burn low the ancient stranger was beginning to nod the church clock struck ten through the stillness of the clear night while the earth slept beneath its counterpane of snow time to turn in said bill he took the aged stranger and led him to the little room that would have been danny's but which danny had insisted should be given to the stranger saying he could sleep very well on the rabbit-skin rug before the fire i think i shall go and look for the hobgoblin said danny tis foolishness you are talking child said bridget there do be no hobgoblins in this country if you must be after getting good luck for me and your uncle go to midnight mass and pray for us tis more likely you will get what you do be wantin there than from hobgoblins but when all was still and the stranger was snoring and the line of yellow light under bill and bridget's door had vanished danny got softly up from the skin before the fire and put on his cap and coat and muffler took down a lantern from the wall and put a box of matches in his pocket then he unbarred the door and let himself out into the snowy night a few minutes later he was standing in the shadows gazing with awe and expectation at the druid's oak where it stood gnarled and ancient in the moonlight for some time he stood there watching but it was very cold and he grew impatient walking with silent steps over the snow he went up to the tree and laid his hand on the rough knobbly trunk the night was perfectly still the moon shone steady and white and at that moment the church clock struck eleven slowly and clearly danny shuddered this was the hour for ghosts and hobgoblins to prowl the next hour twelve to one o'clock would be the holy hour when we remember the birth of the divine babe the last stroke of eleven had scarcely died away when there was a scraping scrambling sound from the very heart of the oak seemingly coming from beneath danny's hand he started and his heart seemed to miss a beat and then race on something within him seemed to say run run and his legs almost obeyed but his will was stronger than his instinct and remembering that he was a cub and must not give in to himself he stood his ground only drawing a little into the shadow 
he watched the tree intently was he at last to see a hobgoblin something black moved in the stumpy branches at the top of the thick low trunk then with a hoot a great owl floated out on soft silent wings and flew swiftly away into the shadows danny breathed hard for a while he did not move then giving away once more to his impatience he went up to the tree it was curious that the scraping sound should have seemed to come from the very heart of the trunk it must be a hollow tree he told himself then that was where the hobgoblin lived perhaps he had changed himself into an owl and flown away on his midnight adventures an idea suddenly struck danny he would climb the tree and see if it was possible to get down into its hollow inside he would then find the home of the hobgoblin and perhaps the mysterious door into fairyland he lit his lantern and hooked it on a branch then climbed up by the knots which seemed to form little steps yes yeah, sure enough the tree was hollow there was a hole down into its inside just big enough for a boy to squeeze through danny tied a piece of string to his lantern and let it down through the hole carefully he lowered it until at last it rested on the ground then he peered down to his amazement he found that a little ladder led down the inside of the tree without a moment's hesitation he descended the ladder the tree was like a tiny round room inside and in the floor at his feet was a hole with a little narrow staircase leading down danny pinched himself was he dreaming no he was certainly awake could this really be the way into fairyland he had only half believed in the hobgoblin all the time but now he began to think it must really all be true taking up his lantern he carefully descended the steps one by one there were ten of them and found himself in a little kind of grotto the walls were of earth and full of gnarled tree roots the grotto was empty except for a rough wooden chest that looked as if it had been made by someone who was not a very good carpenter with trembling hands danny raised the lid and looked in a number of large leather bags were ranged side by side at the bottom and among them was a stout leather book breathing hard danny lifted out one of the bags it was very heavy he placed it on the floor and it chinked then he untied the string and put his hand in it was a fistful of glittering coins that he drew forth suddenly it all flashed into his mind the miser and his hidden money this must have been his hiding place where the hobgoblin came in he did not know or care all that mattered was that he had found the hidden treasure that belonged to uncle bill and would make him a rich man one by one danny lifted out the leather bags there must be thousands of pounds there he told himself the sovereigns were funny-looking ones with the head of queen victoria when quite young on them last of all he took out the fat leather book then very carefully he managed to hoist one bag after another up the tree and dump it down on the snow at last he climbed down himself very softly he carried his treasure into the cottage looking for somewhere to put the bags an idea struck him and he hung them in a row on the nails in the high mantel-shelf over the great open hearth how pleased uncle bill would be what a wonderful christmas surprise and with that thought it struck danny how good it was of god to have let him find the missing money for his uncle he glanced at the clock a quarter to twelve it said 
aunt bridget has said he should go to midnight mass and pray for their luck to come back now he would do better than that he could go and thank god for having given it back putting on his cap once more he hurried out along the snowy path and turned into the warm lighted church never had he thanked god so fervently for anything but soon he forgot all about the money in the wonderful sense of christmas morning and the new realization of the little christ born to be the brother and saviour of men very sleepily he stumbled home and curled up on the rug before the red glow of smouldering logs how soundly he sleeps said uncle bill the next morning as he lighted the lamp and bent over danny bridget laughed and shook him by the shoulders danny opened his eyes and sat up his first thought was to look up at the mantelpiece yes there hung the bags oh, thank god he said i was afraid it was a dream bill and bridget looked up too what are they said bill a puzzled expression on his face plum puddings danny laughed no no he said look he unhooked a bag and shook out the shining contents onto the rabbit skin rug the sovereigns gleamed and glinted in the lamplight bill and bridget stood speechless then danny explained all that had happened at last they examined the book it was inscribed at the beginning with the miser's name in a little crabbed handwriting and there were entries made every christmas eve beginning with christmas eighteen thirty each christmas there was a larger sum to record until at last in eighteen ninety eight was entered three thousand one hundred pounds and it's all yours uncle said danny smacking bill on the back bill's heart was too full to speak at first but bridget had plenty to say all that they would do with it all that this would mean for the boy's future and their old age the stranger joined them at breakfast didn't i tell you he was father christmas or a holy angel said bridget see what he has brought us nay tis the lad said the ancient stranger i said he was a fairy or maybe twas a hobgoblin he always brings luck and the owl who flew out of the tree was him as likely as not bill was a pious man not given to belief in such things no he said twas the holy child bringing us a christmas gift for love of the boy here who was willing to give up his happy christmas at home to come and cheer up his poor old uncle and to give his bed to an old lonely stranger added the old man danny flushed no 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 he said it wasn't for my sake but i do think uncle is right about it being a christmas present i went to midnight mass to thank for it aunt bridget kissed him for the twentieth time and bill cleared his throat which seemed rather husky but what about the hobgoblin really said danny Granddad here swears he saw him and you see it was true about the druid's oak being a wonderful tree bill went to a big press in the corner of the room i think i know who the hobgoblin was come here son he added danny went to him and behind the door of the cupboard uncle bill arrayed him in an old black cloak and hood now hang a bag over your shoulder and hurry across the room bent up like and see if your granddad don't think he's seeing his hobgoblin again he said danny obeyed and the old man started up tis him tis him he said the very same they all laughed my father said bill was a very small thin little old man not much bigger than danny twas him you saw fetching back his money on christmas eve to count it and enter it in his book 
the old man was nodding his head slowly so after all i've never seen a hobgoblin he said i'm eighty year old i shall die afore i get another chance never mind grandad said bridget you'll be after seeing the angels then so it'll be all right end of christmas eve by vera c barclay